Hi, this is Mia Ashton for Public, and I'm joined today by Bev Jackson and Kate Harris. Bev and Kate are the founders of the British gay rights charity LGB Alliance, which is now the only charity in the UK that advocates exclusively for the rights of same-sex attracted people. For years, Bev and Kate have been speaking out about the conflict between trans activism and LGB rights and the harmful effect of gender identity ideology has on children, particularly gender non-conforming children, who will likely grow up to be gay or lesbian. They recently found themselves in court defending their organization's right to exist after an extraordinary attempt by trans charity Mermaids to strip them of their charitable status. So, welcome Bev and Kate. Thank you for joining me today. Hi. Yes. Thanks for having us on. It's my pleasure. Now we'll start from the beginning. So could you tell me about the founding of LGB Alliance? What, why, why did you think this was necessary? Sure. Um, first of all, just so everybody is clear, Bev and I didn't know each other four years ago. Um, we'd both had a long record of being supportive and active um, in many different areas of human rights. Uh, my background was particularly around women's liberation in the UK and women's aid, where we set up shelters for women leaving violent households. Um, but we had both come to the conclusion that something was going very wrong with the gay rights movement. Um, as far as I was concerned, the UK was one of the best countries in the world to live. Uh, people were accepting gays, lesbians, bisexuals. It was not an issue. We had achieved the most incredible progress. And all we were fighting for and all we achieved was equality under the law. And as LGB Alliance, we continue to support equality under the law for trans people. But we'll come on to what the conflict is later on, because it's nothing to do with trans rights versus gay rights. But in terms of our history, um, I was talking to Stonewall, which is a very big UK charity with a, a, a glorious history of fighting for equality. Um, but even though I was extremely, I, I always say my DNA was with Stonewall, I was getting increasingly worried at the direction they were taking around 2015 when they started to talk rubbish. And not only did they start to talk rubbish, they added a little proviso to that, which is we're not going to talk about the rubbish that we are spouting. And we'll talk about what that is later on. But Bev and I were introduced by a third party. She's in Amsterdam. I was in London. And we just began to work out that it was absolutely vital to have a voice from the homosexuals and the bisexuals to say trans rights is nothing to do with an expansion of gay and lesbian rights. It is a completely different issue. So Okay, so, yeah. So my background is a bit different. Um, uh, I was one of the founding members of the Gay Liberation Front in 1970. And I was also the spokesperson for the um, for our first march in Highbury Fields in, uh, in November 1970. And you can discover what I said there to the Times if you go and, and look up their archives. I said, it's important to know we're not ashamed to be homosexual. It's about being homosexual, and that is being attracted to people of the same sex. So women who are attracted to women called lesbians and men who are attracted to other men called gay men and bisexuals, people who are attracted to people of either sex. 
that's all very clear. It's about the kind of loving and sexual relationships you want to have, whether they're with people of the same sex or opposite sex, and if it's the same sex, you're gay or, or bisexual. It's all very clear. And so um, what happened um, when in 2015, um, what Kate was referring to is that Stonewall changed the whole idea of what homosexuality means. It just changed it. It decided it doesn't mean um, what sex the people are you're attracted to, but what gender they are. Now, it has never, ever been defined what that means. Nobody knows what it means. It's an inner feeling. It's an inner sense. It's an inner belief. It's an inner conviction. Sometimes you hear gender identity activists say that it's innate and unchangeable, that everyone's born with something called a gender identity. And sometimes you hear them say that it's all very fluid and it changes from one day to the next. So it's very, very unclear what this gender is. But one thing that's very clear to me is that it's a very sexist term. It's rooted in sexism. It's rooted in highly sexist ideas about what is the right way to be a man and what is the right way to be a woman. And if you are doing womaning in the wrong way, then you must be a man. And if you're doing manning in the wrong way, you must be a woman. And yeah, this is it. why this is why Kate called it nonsense, because, of course, it makes no sense, quite aside from being sexist. Go on, Kate. Well, I was just going to say, just in terms of people wondering, you know, how we actually started this thing, because it is a miracle. It is a miracle that we survived. Um, we started talking, I think, in, was it, we met, did we meet in July? We we, we met um, online on, or on the phone in April 2019, and then we met in London in, in July 2019. So we decided, um, as, I, as uh, it was very important for us as homosexuals to stand up to this ideology that we were hearing, which had become sort of elevated to something that couldn't be criticised. You know, if you if you didn't agree with trans women are women, trans men are men, you're transphobic if you don't agree with this. And what we realised was that... Don't forget that non-binary people are non-binary. And valid. And but, valid. Um, anybody who stood up to say, actually, this is meaningless, let's look at the fact that there are two sexes and sex is unchangeable. Any straight person who said that at the time was told they were homophobic. So we figured that there was a need for us, who've been homosexuals all our lives, like Bev, I was campaigning in the 1970s. So, you know, we, 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 a lot of people say we're straight white men, which we always find perplexing. But the point is we needed a voice from gays and lesbians and bisexuals, so that when we said, actually Stonewall, please talk to us, you're getting this wrong. As, as homosexuals, we don't have a shared belief. Some of us are left, some of us are right, some of us are black, some of us are white, some of us are Jewish, some of us disabled. What we have in common is that we have a sexual orientation. Now, that is something that needs protecting worldwide. In 69 countries around the world, to be that is illegal. Yeah, and let's um, let's just go back to what happened um, in America in the 19, late 1990s 
and then came to the UK in 2015. Instead of um, lesbian and gay or LGB, you um, suddenly found that all organizations, and if we just stay with the UK, that's mostly Stonewall and then all other organizations followed, they, instead of being LGB, they became LGBT and then LGBTQ and then LGBTQIA plus and so on. And what is this and what's wrong with it? Because some people say, since we've achieved our rights as, as gay people, then why would we pull up the ladder for the next group of disadvantaged people? That's a very cruel thing to do. I mean, you're all right as gays and lesbians, but what about these trans people and these um, queer or questioning people? And I don't know what that means because I thought they were, anyway. Um, and uh, people who are intersex, which is a medical thing, got nothing to do with it. And uh, people who are asexual never understood what, the, anyway. So, and what's this plus? Anyway, what, um, the, the 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 problem is that what we're talking about sexual orientation is a very different thing from all these identity issues we don't have an identity issue uh, an identity issue is is inward it's how you see yourself you have some sort of issue with with how you see yourself whereas sexual orientation is the relationships you want to have with other people but why is it a problem well if you say that it's about gender or gender identity it means you have to accept if you tell me that you're a man, I have to say, okay, Mia, of course you're a man. Yes, 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 I accept that. Uh, but I don't because I can see that you're not. The whole idea that anyone should have to accept how someone else sees themselves is very peculiar. But I see myself as an absolute genius who should be running the world. Um, you don't have to see me like that. You can think I'm deluded. It's okay for you to think mm -hmm. that. If you look at this term gender identity and say it's how someone feels. If you push that to the extreme, two men who both say that they are, they, they identify as women, they identify as, can be a lesbian couple. We say that is not only ridiculous, but it is highly offensive. It is the theft of the word lesbian. Yeah, I think you, I was just going to say, I think we've jumped on a bit because um, the first question that you asked was, how did we get started? Oh, yeah, we've got like the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say it was a very difficult birth and the baby was almost suffocated and strangled. Um, there, Bev and I spent six months secretly ringing, not not texting, not, not emailing, but speaking to 70 individuals. So these were people some of whom we knew personally, some of whom were recommended, and some of whom we picked from their presence on Twitter. Because at that time, in 2019, uh, our voice was unheard completely. And it was very upsetting to see the attacks on anybody who said anything remotely sensible. So in secret, we gathered 70 people to a meeting in a place called Conway Hall in London. And we asked them not to tell anybody because at that stage, Women's Place UK, Fair Play for Women with two pioneering groups, if ever they had a meeting, they would be completely swamped by protesters. And luckily, not one protester turned up because not one person leaked it. And when the 70 people arrived, they all said to each other, oh, you're here, you're here, I didn't know you were coming. So that, that was brilliant. But what was so joyous about that event was that we'd been sort of squashed, us gays and lesbians and bisexuals 
and there were trans people there and people with disorders of sexual development and straight people. There were all people who want to, to protect a society that is based on the values of the Enlightenment. So it was a mixture of people, but all the speakers were gay, lesbian, and one trans. Um, but the point about that meeting was the joy unleashed because we'd all been silenced. We'd all been shut up. You are bigots. You are transphobes. You are Ku Klux Klan. You are neo-Nazis. All these things. And then we had this fabulous meeting and we Do went... Do you remember how it started, Kate? No. Um, do you remember that Miranda Yardley said, breaking news, breaking news. Jessica Yanov has lost his case and a huge cheer went up around the room among people who we'd never known before. And it was, that was really quite something. Yeah, yeah, so that was great. And then um, Bev and I, you know, we, we did a lot of work in that meeting. We'd, we were all about deeds, not words. And we'd prepared a letter to our um, National Human Rights Institution in the UK, which is called the Equality and Human Rights, EHRC, Equality and Human Rights Council. We'd prepared a letter to them, which the meeting agreed. So that was the first action from the first meeting. And the content of that letter was, we want an inquiry into Stonewall and how it has taken over the institutions that are, that are affecting the lives of children. And funnily enough, we still want an inquiry four years later, but we are now in a better position to push for that. So that was our first action. And then we formed various working groups to go away and finish off the mission statement, et cetera, et cetera. But Bev and I were in a daze because we had no idea what we were doing. However, Alison Bailey, do you know who Alison Bailey is? Of course. Yeah, most people know who Alison Bailey is. Well, Alison had been at a few of the planning meetings because before all this happened, I'd spent two or three years having little groups of people trying to get Stonewall to talk to us in the background and doing various things. Alison was one of those. So I think we were tottering about thinking, what have we just done? What do we do next? And Alison did the tweet which announced that LGB Alliance has arrived and watch out world and all that sort of thing. Well, we hadn't even fixed on LGB Alliance as a title. It was a working title, but she- We, had, we had nothing. We had no money. We had no backers. We had nothing other than ourselves and the 70 people who had turned up to this meeting. We thought we'll start up very slowly. We'll gradually find our feet. We'll attract some people who want to work together. And, yeah. and uh, you know, gradually, probably some younger people will take over because, you know, after all. Um, uh, and instead of that, Alison's tweet unleashed the most extraordinary storm. For a start, we had hundreds and hundreds of abusive message saying trans rights are human rights trans rights are human rights seven times because that i think just fitted onto the, <laughs> into the twi twitter uh, um length but on the other hand we had hundreds of messages from people all around the world thank god you've arrived i'm so grateful i feel such a sense of relief i have felt so isolated mostly from lesbians and from some gay men from uh, and we were just completely overwhelmed there are some messages that we received in October 2019 that I haven't had time to answer yet because there were so many we were just completely blown away and from that moment onwards there was an absolute uh, onslaught against us to try and squash us before we started and why is that it's because of what Kate said before 
we were the one organization, the only, at that point, the only organization in the world that said, it's okay if you're lesbian and gay and you don't believe in gender identity. It is okay. You're not homophobic. No, you can say that. You can say out loud, actually, this whole gender identity thing, I'm not so sure about that, and you're not homophobic. And that is why they tried to squash us in every possible way. They tried to 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 deprive well, yeah. us. We 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 somebody compared it to the, the behavior of a of an abusive partner when a relationship breaks up breaks up, because immediately we we existed. I mean, on the nineteenth, no, the twenty second of October, we had our meeting at Conway Hall, just after midnight on the twenty third. Alison tweeted it. So from the 23rd of October, we existed and people wanted to send us money, contributions. Where do we donate? What do we do? So very, very quickly, we had to set up a Just Giving page. We had to set up a website. I mean, everything was on accelerated speed. But of course, the opposition had been organizing for years and years and years. And apparently, what really set them off was that the name was LGB Alliance, and that implied that we hated tea. Well, we don't agree. <laughs> we think you can have a dog's charity who don't hate cats. Um, but anyway, we set up a Just Giving account for donations, and, and the donations came on. Well, that was stopped almost immediately. So, that, you know, what, what partners do uh, abusive partners when their partners leave they do several things they cut off their money they cut off communications with their friends so we had a multiple website set up in our name which were telling lies we and had directing to stonewall or directing to to mermaids or some other page uh, uh, yeah we had multiple twitter accounts saying unbelievably awful things and pretending to be us and we had this huge sort of deluge of, of people telling the public that we were a, that the words they use are hate group, because that's yeah. got an official connotation. Hate group, hate group, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Yeah, from the there very first day. Very active um, uh, gay men in particular who, who loathe us, one of whom is Owen Jones, who's a journalist who's got a million followers on Twitter. And he and his friends just, you know, LGB Alliance is a hate group, pass it on. Now we've 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 physically spoken to Owen Jones one-to-one -one and said, Owen, um, you keep saying we're a hate group. Actually, Bev and I have been campaigning for 50 years for gay and lesbian rights. Would you like a chat? No. And this is the heart of their problem. You see, I think one of the reasons we've survived, Bev, I was thinking about this this morning. Why have we made it through? And the reason we've made it through is that we've never had to lie. We've never had to make anything up. So even in the darkest times, when people were, you know, you explain this, you tell us this, why have you done that? Why have you done that? It's much, much less difficult to tell the truth. Yeah. And uh, in, uh, in that context, I would like to say to Mia, Mia, please ask us difficult questions. Don't give us an easy ride. Ask us the questions that you think people in in California might want to ask us. I'd like to start off by uh, by saying something about this hate group because it's so it's such a vile thing to say about someone. I mean, the idea that we hate people, trans people, is just so 
utterly false and in fact some i've met some wonderful trans people in the last few years who are absolutely appalled with this whole um discussion and the way it's being depicted the aggression towards women especially to lesbians but also to women it's just it's appalling um so i i think hate groups exist hate groups do exist and therefore to describe people like us as a hate group is debasing the whole idea of what hate means there really are some horribly hateful people out there and and we're not a, a part of that um and uh, we we feel that we have separated from um the um tq plus groups because we feel our interests are different we want and let me tell you why um i i spoke recently to to a girl of 19 who throughout her secondary school period um, and was told that she's really a boy. And that's because she's attracted to girls. Now, that I call that homophobia. I don't know what you call it, but she's a very strong young woman and she knows that she's not a boy. Um, she doesn't have time to actually have relationships because she's trying to support her mother and I don't know. But anyway, this is what's happening in schools at the moment. Lesbian in particular has become um, a dirty word again. I mean, maybe it always was, but there was a period during which um, being gay and, and, and lesbian was becoming more accepted, if, even among teenagers. And now it is not. And you hear more and more from lesbians who are, they first come out as lesbians, and then six months later, a year later, they call themselves non-binary. And then six months later, they're, they're trying to find um, testosterone and they're trying to have their breasts cut off. And if that made them happy, if that made them happy, who am I to say, oh, you mustn't do that? But it doesn't, because we talk to and every day more and more and more women, mostly men, mostly women, but some men as well. They're usually about 25, 26 years old who are absolutely distraught that they did this to their bodies. They realize now that they were conflicted about their sexual orientation. They realize now that the, maybe their, their, their family was homophobic, the environment was homophobic, and they just didn't want to be a gay man. They didn't want to be a lesbian. And this was presented. Quite often, these are kids with lots and lots of what we call comorbidities, all sorts of different other problems, anxiety, depression. There may be eating disorders. There may be loss or abuse in, in the background. There's, there's any number of, of problems going on in a young person's life and something like a third of them are on the autism spectrum. And what happens is they go online thinking, I, I'm desperately unhappy, I'm distressed, what can I do? And they're offered from some YouTube influencers a, a silver bullet, your trends. And if you go along this journey, then your problems will be solved. It's, it's the, and so they get fixated on this, oh my God, I, perhaps this will solve my problems. And then it takes many years for them to realize, actually, I made a mistake. It takes many, many years. And also, when they realize that, they don't exactly want to go public about it because they feel stupid. They feel guilty. I was so sure. I was so sure that's what I had to do. And now I'm telling people I was wrong. You know, so that's why we don't hear so many detransitioners going public. Most of them are in quite an unpleasant state they have physical problems, they have mental problems, they feel guilty, they feel ashamed, and they feel angry with the medical people who should have helped them and who didn't. 
I, I always think that with the biggest tragedy really, well, as you said, it's a sort of tantalizing promise that transition will fix all of the, the distress and anguish that they feel. It will solve all their problems. But the only way to find out that it won't is to get to the very end of the transition process. And then when they realize they don't feel any better, they realize that the whole thing was a mistake. But when you're at the end, you can't turn back time and you can't get back what's been taken from you. That's the the yeah. terrible tragedy. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'd like to just touch on is <clears throat> we believe that we are the progressives. Um, we think that gender identity theory rams home stereotypes that we should have got rid of 50 years ago. Um, so our gay and lesbian and bisexual friends, but particularly the gays and the lesbians who've grown up with the boys being bullied, bullied at school every single day until puberty. And guess what happens at puberty? They grow up, they start going to the gym, they start learning how to fight back. And I think Malcolm Clark, who's one of our longstanding supporters said, you know, puberty is, is the, is the cure for gender non for for sort of any confusion about what you are because your body grows up you grow up your mind develops if that little boy is given puberty blockers and told well actually you know you you, you think you're a bit uh, girly because you like wearing dresses yes you are i mean how how on earth any doctor in the entire world any surgeon at any time is prepared to cut off healthy organs from any child, I have no idea. I think these people should be and may well end up in jail. Okay. We're leading a project at the moment to outlaw um, puberty blockers. Puberty blockers have five medical uses. Uh, it may be justifiable to use them in two or three of those. And we're commissioning some research at the moment to see um, what evidence there is, can there be? Is there any evidence to show that they have uh, a beneficial effect because doctors are pledged to do no harm? But all the evidence so far that's come through Sweden and France and a little bit um, in the UK and Holland, but we need much more, is that these drugs should never ever be used to stop puberty. And that's a major campaign for us. So I would say to the people in California, what makes you think that it's progressive to say to a little girl who's playing as a football or playing climbing up trees or why can't you leave her alone? We've reached the end of this episode of the free version of Publix Podcast. To access the full version, become a paying subscriber at public.substack.com.